Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This story takes place about two years ago. I was working graveyard in a small town casino in the cafe on Halloween night. I was dressed up as Hermione because I'm a huge Harry Potter fan and my work has a Halloween contest so I thought I'd put myself out there, which I never do, and get in on the fun. Now, my outfit was a skirt. Short, but I also had short leggings on underneath it. Plus a polo shirt and a tie, all Gryffindor themed. So I'm the cashier and it's about 2 a.m. We don't usually have many customers at this time, but since it's Halloween, we were much busier than normal. So I'm just checking people out, doing my job, actually having a good time seeing everyone dressed up, when this one man steps to the counter. I can immediately tell that he's drunk, super tall, well past six feet, really buff, and bald. I remember that his total was $2.40. I don't know why I remember that, but I do. That's when he handed me a $100 bill. I told him that I'd have to get my manager to get change. He looks at me and goes, No, this is for you. I'll pay for the coffee separately. Now as a cashier, we hardly ever get tips. But if someone wants to tip you, they can. But no one has ever tipped me this much before, so I wasn't really sure if he was being serious. He then looks me up and down and says, It's for you to come to my room with me. I immediately hand the $100 bill back and say, no thank you. He takes out another bill, throws them both at me and goes, how about now? I repeat, no thank you once more. Luckily security was close by and saw what was going on. The security guard came over, nicely asked the guy to pay for his coffee, and to leave. The guy takes one look at the security guard and says, if she's going to dress like a whore, she should act like one. At this point, I'm very close to tears. I've had my fair share of creepy guys in my life, but never like this. Never in my face. The security guy tells him to pay for his coffee and to leave immediately, or he'll be escorted out. The guy looks at me and says, Okay, bitch, I'll wait for you outside, and you better meet me out there. I'm just standing there not really sure what to say or do because, I'm going to be honest, I was pretty intimidated by the guy. The security guard tells him that that was a threat and immediately calls the cops. The guy goes crazy, tries to swing on the security guard, but missed, and is taken down to the ground rather easily in his inebriated state. More security comes over, the cops eventually get there, but in the meantime, the creep keeps his eyes locked on me, staring daggers right through me, before saying, why do all horrors act like this? At least I would have paid you, dumb bitch. I'm sure you get the point. This all happened so quick and escalated so quickly that I felt like I barely had time to think. At that point, I'm crying and my coworkers take me to the back. The cops come and arrest the guy. I guess he had punched a hole through the wall and tried to swing on one of the cops when they stood him up as well. The cops took my statement and I was allowed to leave early. The same security guard walked me to my car and I thanked him repeatedly for being there. Now where things get really f***ed up 
is that apparently this guy was a huge spender at the casino. So the casino didn't opt to press charges, nor did they ban him from the premises. That meant that within a week or two of this occurring, I saw him back on the casino floor, and he definitely saw me. While that was our only ever verbal interaction, he would stare me down as he walked past the cafe on his way to the slots or the card room. Safe to say, he remembered exactly who I was as well. I quit shortly thereafter. While I haven't gone back to the casino since leaving, I still do reside in the same small town. Part of me is still fearful of running into this man in a place where security guards and cameras are much less numerous. So, drunk random guy, I can only pray that we never meet again. Not in your hotel room. Not anywhere. Back when I was a kid, Halloween was easily the most exciting night of the year. The entire neighborhood would come alive with spooky decorations, and every house had its own style of creepy charm. But there was one place that all of us kids absolutely dreaded. An eerie house that stood nearly at the end of our street. We called it the Darkwood Manor, and it was something straight out of a horror movie for us. The old, creaky large house, not quite a mansion, with an overgrown garden filled with gnarled trees and even a twisted iron fence. It was the kind of place that sent shivers down your spine, even on the sunniest of days. But on Halloween, it was an entirely different brand of terrifying. For years, my friends and I had heard rumors about the owner. No one ever had seen him, and we just figured that he was some kind of ghoul living in a haunted house. But every October 31st, we dared each other to approach the front gate. But that feeling of unease that emanated from the place always kept us at a distance. It was like the house itself warned us to stay away. As the years passed, our neighborhood's Halloween traditions continued, but Darkwood Manor remained unchanged. None of us had the courage to ring its doorbell, and it became almost a rite of passage to share campfire tales about the horrors lurking within those doors. Little did we know as kids, the stories would soon become all too real. Many years later, Long after I had moved away from my childhood home and had started a family of my own, my older brother, who coincidentally still lived in the same town, shared a news story with me. It was about the owner of the Darkwood Manor, an old man by the name of Charles Blackwell, who in fact was no ghoul, but a monster of a very different kind. An older, frail man now, he had been arrested recently for crimes going back decades and involved that house that we had walked by thousands of times. Apparently, Blackwell had an affinity for the edgier things in life. Drink, drugs, ladies of the night. This meant that he surrounded himself with not the most upstanding of citizens by choice. He would invite other users, addicts, or people simply needing a roof over their head to stay with him. But once the doors would shut, evil would come out. He would plaster them with alcohol or the drug of their choice, to the point that these people would be unable to form words, stand up, or obviously defend themselves. From there, he would lead them to his basement, an unfinished, earth-floored portion of his house, equipped with ropes, chains, and other tools not meant for home improvement. Blackwell would leave his victims down in the basement for days or weeks, only venturing down there to harass, 
or assault his victim, torturing them in unspeakable ways before ultimately dispatching them and concealing their remains even further under his property. Police had finally learned of what was happening when one of Blackwell's intended targets was able to escape and expose the old man for what he was. Upon entering his home, cops found all the torture devices and what would amount to a cemetery beneath his house. Once I made my way through the entire article, I had a chill under my skin and a pit in my stomach, thinking about all those Halloweens we spent tiptoeing past that house. Our childish fears, unknowingly grounded in a truth that we couldn't have imagined. It was a stark reminder that sometimes the scariest things can be right under our noses, or even at the end of the block. As a parent myself, I'm ultra conscious of houses like the one from my childhood. We don't stop. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. To trick or treat at them, we don't concoct ideas about who lives there. We simply steer clear. There really is no telling what horrible truths lie behind the spooky house that we'd rather just avoid. A few years back, my sister decided to have a surprise 30th birthday for her husband. Since he had missed his senior prom more than a decade ago, she decided to make that the theme of the party, and even booked the same hall that his prom was hosted in when he was a teenager. The problem is, my brother-in-law grew up in basically the middle of nowhere, a small, rural Missouri town that you'd have to leave the highway and travel down about five miles of heavily wooded back roads to get to. On top of being so isolated, there's a rather large heroin problem out there, both using and dealing. It's a pretty potent cocktail, but my sister was determined to have the party there. The party was at six, and my original plan was to drive out with my sister and her friends to help set up. My sister was heavily pregnant at the time and needed all the help she could get. And then I would probably drive back home with her. However, I got called into work and had to stay until four so I told my sister that I would drive up by myself as soon as I was done. She warned me that it was pretty easy to get turned around on those country roads, but I had Google Maps to help me and didn't worry about it. The drive up was fine. It was early October, my favorite time of year, and the scenery was surprisingly pretty. I found the place with no problem and helped with some last minute setup before my brother-in-law showed up. The party itself was a lot of fun and lasted until about 11. That's when the hall closed. I was one of the last people to leave, having stayed behind to help my sister and her friends stack chairs. Brother-in-law had overindulged at the open bar and had to be driven home by his friend. We ended up not actually heading out until nearly midnight, and by that point, I was exhausted. My sister once again warned me about being careful on the back roads, but I'd gotten up there okay, so I wasn't too concerned about the drive home. I hugged her goodbye, hopped into my car, and started working my way back towards the highway. Unfortunately, in my sleepy state, I misjudged which road I was supposed to turn off on as I reached the exit for the highway, 
and ended up turning down an entirely different road that ran parallel to it instead. It was another heavily wooded and narrow back road. I started looking for somewhere that I could pull off in order to turn around. After driving maybe another 200 yards, I spotted a gravel embankment and decided to pull in there so I could get turned around. I pulled in and made a sharp U-turn so I could head back up the road that I just came. And as I lifted my head to check that no one was coming, I saw it in my driver's side mirror. A figure in a dark blue t-shirt and jeans with long black hair and a pale face illuminated by my brake lights. My heart jumped into my throat as I gasped in fright. But after a second of pure panic, I realized that the pale face was actually a mask. One of those cheap plastic white ones that you'd get from a costume store. I immediately felt like an idiot. Like I said, it was October, so obviously this was a Halloween decoration. This embankment probably led to someone's driveway, and the family who lived there most likely had tons of things just like it in their yard. I took a moment to unclench my fists from the steering wheel and let my heart rate get back to normal. I ended up catching a glimpse of the thing in my mirror again, and I noticed that the embankment didn't lead to a driveway. There was nothing else behind me but tall grass and trees. I briefly wondered why anyone would put a Halloween decoration out in the middle of nowhere. That's when the decoration took two steps forward, with an arm extended, appearing to be reaching for my door handle. I slammed on the gas and shot forward, eventually getting back to the main road and onto the highway. I don't think I stopped shaking until I reached my town city limits, almost a half hour later. Now looking back, I definitely wasn't in any danger. I was in a car, all the doors were locked, and I could have easily run down whoever that creep was if they had tried anything. If they'd have gotten even one step closer when panic mode set in, that's probably what I would have done. It was most likely just a local kid or a druggie in a crappy mask giving motorists a good scare and not really thinking about the consequences. But still, it happens to be one of the creepiest moments of my life. And to this day, I'm still nervous about driving down secluded country roads at night. I don't think you'll fault me for saying that I hope to never meet a shady mass character out on a back road ever again. Halloween is my favorite holiday. Is, not was. Despite the events that unfolded one crisp Hollow's Eve when I was about 16, at the time, I lived with my parents, younger brother, older stepbrother, and cousin in a big but old house that sat in a cul-de-sac close to Main Street. Behind it ran an alleyway flanked by apartments, and it had a huge yard that my basement bedroom looked out on. We lived in a small town, crime seemed minimal in the area, and I'd made my way out that Halloween night to make the most of the best day of the year. It wasn't just what happened that night, though. It was, of course, what came after, and one small incident that came before. A few days before Halloween, my stepbrother and cousin arrived home to discover a pickup truck full of dudes taking photos of our house. Weird, but when approached, the men seemed friendly and complimented our Halloween setup. It was pretty great, that part is true. The men sped off without incident and were quickly forgotten. The big event itself was Halloween night. At around 3 a.m., when my stepbrother and cousin both returned home from drinking with friends, 
both had left their respective vehicles and braved the icy walk home on their own. Cousin arrived at home first, but couldn't seem to get his key into the lock, so he just sat on the porch and waited for my stepbrother to show up. He did, maybe about half an hour later. After having a bit of a laugh at my cousin for being an uncoordinated goober, he went to unlock the door himself and had no luck. So they bit the bullet and called my mom, waking her up to let them in. She was of course unimpressed to be opening the door for a pair of drunk idiots at this time of night, and didn't buy their story about the wonky lock. They insisted though, and to shut them up, she finally relented and tried her key, although she too couldn't get her key in the lock. Annoyed, tired, and now just confused, she wrote it off as a problem for tomorrow, and the three of them hit their respective hay. One other person arrived home late that night, me, though I arrived much earlier than those two and was in bed by about midnight. I woke up around 1am though, still tired, although all I could feel was anxiety, and I didn't know why. At first, I tried to tell myself that I'd just gotten a bit too into the holiday spirit and had psyched myself out. But then I noticed a shadow. It was perfectly man-shaped and cast upon my window. I turned on my bedside lamp, blinked, and it was gone. It wasn't unusual, mind you, to see the shadows of people harmlessly walking through the alley, and I told myself that that's all there was to it. But then, there's what happened after. I came home from school the next day. My parents were there, so was a locksmith, and so were the police. My parents were there because, well, they lived there. The locksmith was there because my mother had called him as the confusion over the broken lock persisted. The cops were there because the locksmith and my parents had called them when the locksmith proceeded to pull the tip of a knife out of our lock. I was relieved to see that's where the knife tip had ended up though, as they discovered two of our window screens had been slashed, one on our garage and one on my bedroom window. 